What's up, everybody, and welcome to a very special boardroom out of office. Today, we are in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, with the founder and creative director of Kith at his headquarters in Brooklyn, that if I must say so myself, are absolutely elite. Ronnie, welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you. Appreciate the intro. And I appreciate you guys being here. You're one of the first people actually to come up here. So um, glad that you were able to, to see it. And um, yeah, through COVID, this has been home. It's, it's amazing. I remember when I first met you, you said to me like over and over again at dinner, I had to come up and see the offices. Um, and I was probably rushing back to watch some game or something. And I didn't come up. And as soon as I walked in here, I understood why this is probably the greatest reflection of all your hard work, I would imagine, right? Yeah, I mean, this took a, a year and a half uh, to design and then another year and a half to build. Um, actually uh, took the lease on the space before the company could afford it, just hoping that we, you know, and hoping and knowing that we would uh, grow into into the space. So, um, yeah, really, really happy that it uh, it turned out. But this is like one of my one of my favorite um, one of my favorite accomplishments so far. I well, and so far is pretty amazing because what I didn't realize, and we've gotten to know each other pretty well the last few years, is that you're only turning forty, June sixteenth, fifteenth, June fifteenth. Okay. Yes, two days before my daughter's birthday. Um, forty years old, which means you grew up in New York City in the eighties and nineties, like I did, and yeah. I would imagine, and it's as obvious as anything that hip hop and and basketball culture really influenced you quite a bit. Um, growing up in Queens, yeah. it was probably as present as anywhere. What about all of it really resonated with you the most? What do you think that that time, that era, that energy connected with you? Um, the way it did. Yeah, I guess it's like that era really was a time where you had to form your own opinion uh, for things. And uh, the sense of individuality, I think, was, um, I guess, a lot higher or very different from it is today, from what it is today. So today, like you're programmed to think what you're thinking based on other people's opinions, based on what you see all day, every day. And back then it was kind of like, you know, you loved what you loved for different reasons for, you know, the emotional connection and the, the emotional bridge that we were able to build back in the 80s and 90s were based off of experiences, you know, real life experiences. And I think, um, I think that that's the difference is, you know, being 50% pre and post internet um, really, uh, I think makes my generation just unique in a sense, you yeah. know? It's that time, I remember, you know, from the age of 10 till probably 10 years ago, I always saw people within the business, right? Whether it was in hip hop or sports, and I imagined being those people, whether it was Lior Cohen or the GM of the Knicks, um, you know, Dame Dash, or I wanted to be a basketball player probably at one point in that whole thing. Um, but never did that time period resonate with me in terms of fashion, in terms of looking fresh, looking clean, which obviously was so crucial at that time period too. And the idea of having, you know, clean Air Force Ones and all of that really came to light. 
was that something that you connected with during that time right yeah. away? Yeah, I mean, it, it really started in elementary school where um, a few of uh, a few of the kids that took me in, you know, because I started um, I started elementary school, public school by my house in Queens in fourth grade, um, and the kids that I became friend with, friends with uh, was a very diverse crew of, of kids, you know, and it was incredible to learn about each one of their cultures. And the red thread between all of us is that we always wanted to look fresh, you know, and we were borrowing each other's clothes and sneakers back then. You know, in that, that era of not knowing new product based off of what you see on Instagram or blogs or internet, but knowing it uh, based off of what our older sisters or brothers, I, had, I have an older sister, six years older, uh, was bringing back home from the city, you know, like the city was the Mecca, you know, and, and in Queens, you know, every borough was one step behind what the city was offering. And our, we just wanted to be fresh based off of music videos and, you know, and magazines because that's what really ruled the world back then in terms of inspiration. But there was a lot, you know, each one of us had our own style. You know, I'm still friends with, uh, with a few of the kids from back then, but one specifically, this kid Joey, who is, my, is one of my best friends till today, but he was my brother growing up. And, you know, we loved certain certain artists and certain sport figures and 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 athletes that inspired us to dress the way we did but our sisters really were the top inspiration for us you know going to high school going to high school but shopping in the city and like they put us on to a lot of shit you know when i would be around like my, my friends and my peers the thing i knew i could talk was basketball right, right. like i loved hip-hop and i knew the lyrics to every record and I was reading the liner notes but the thing I could talk and get respect for was my understanding of who did you know like did you feel like you just got it at a young age yeah I mean I started when I when I was 13 you know based off of my parents not being able to afford to buy me anything I wanted really um and my friends you know having you know parents with means a few of them did and were able to dress in a way that I wish I could have so I started, um, I started going to work at, at 13 to be able to afford um, some of the product that I wanted for myself. And um, that's when it really clicked with me, you know, spending time in the basement as a stock boy, like having one-on-one -on -one personal time with product that was coming in, um, really let me form my own opinion as to what I liked and what I loved. And that started so early on. And then when I hit the floor, you know, when I started selling product um, and seeing why people liked what they liked and what they gravitated to, that was like my favorite part of my career. And it started that early on is understanding why people like what they like, mm -hmm. you know, and then you start to ask yourself why you like what you like. And, you know, my, my taste for product started so early on that I still love the same things I loved then didn't change. Mm -hmm. Nothing changed. Everything I loved then, I still love today. Obviously it evolved, but that stayed constant, Yeah, you know, because what you love at that age, what you learned to love then and be, anything you love, then you're obsessed with, yep. you know, like I have a younger nephew right now. He's turning 13 next week, actually. And, um, he's 
you know, he's he wants this pair of sneakers so bad. My sister showed me. He texted her literally a hundred times. It's because you get obsessed with things when you're that age, and those things don't leave you. Never. It's if I if I have the chance to become friendly and and acquaintances with a a basketball player from my childhood. Yeah. There's nothing better. Yeah. Same. Same. By the way, like I remember the first time I met John Starks, it was like, you know, I, I I've. You know, luckily through my career, I've met a lot of a lot of incredible people. But like some of my like childhood heroes, those were the biggest like starstruck moments for me. Without you know question, saying? without question. Yeah. Um, and you just went back to Cordoza, right, and rebuilt the school or rebuilt the arts program there. Yeah. The, so uplifted the arts program there uh, with branded arts. So um, mirrorless that you know um, came by and you know Ostremios and. And um, and Fatura um, put some great artwork together, um, and help basically kids that we didn't have that you know growing up. I didn't have a football field. You know, Cardoza's in a whole different world, like a whole different place right now. We didn't have that growing growing up, and uh, you know, in my year of graduating in two thousand, like those four years from ninety six to two thousand, we didn't have some of these programs they have now, and like the inspiration that I'm you know, I was able to be a part of building for these kids, like showing up to the school and seeing that type of artwork, you know, Shana McCoy, who, who uh, I respect so much, uh, who we've worked with before, um, you know, her art, you know, being in the lunchroom for these kids, like it's inspirational. And I feel like, you know, a self-expression is important for kids and for them to see, you know, that, they can potentially work hard at getting there. It's it's an important reminder that they get to see every day. Yeah, without question. And you know, I wonder when you were there. A lot of I do think that a lot of us that grew up in that era, right, that still idolize John Starks when we run into him and freak out if the locks come into a a bar we're in, <laughs> is a little bit of this imposter syndrome where like you were constantly as a kid aspiring to get somewhere and be in that room and sit at that table and meet those people. I, I looked at all of those guys as superheroes, yeah. all those men and women from that era um, that like even when I found myself getting there, I still didn't realize that I was getting there because I was so comfortable chasing. Right. When you go back to your school at only 40 years old, do you start to like, for a second, realize or pinch yourself a bit and go, God, this, I just left here 20 years ago and I've built all of this? Or is it still like at 40, your eyes are on the prize in front of you? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, like I don't spend a lot of time thinking about life. Um, you know, obviously my, 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 baby, my baby girl put things into perspective uh, immediately once she was born. Um, but I don't get a lot of time to really reflect, you know, I'm, I'm always, uh, working towards the future and setting goals for myself and the company. Um, and I think the bar that we set for ourselves here, uh, is so high right now, set so high to feel accomplished that, um, we might have a skewed view on, uh, what we've done, Yeah, you know? Um, and, and, um, Going to the school, there's always this feeling when I show up to the school, uh, that, that, that nostalgic feeling, and it brings me back to those days where uh, it was a, you know, that was a stress-free time for me, even though I was working and going to school at the same time. You know, I started retail, I started working in retail 27 years ago, and uh, full-time 23 years ago. 
um, since 23 years ago and working, you know, over 80 hour weeks since then. So um, it's, it's been a like it's, it's, it's been something that I've loved to do and I don't really consider it. I've never really considered it work for me because I love it so much. And it's such a big part of my life when you think about it, you know, 27 years of the 40 years I've been here on this earth, um, such a huge chunk has been devoted yeah. to this work that it really has just become like a piece of my life. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, I don't look at it as work, you know? I don't yeah. view, I've never viewed it as work. So when you think about accomplishments, it's just like I'm more, I've, I've, I've looked at it more as an evolution than anything else, is like maximizing the potential of being yeah. able to get better. It's almost like you've been playing in the league now for 27 years that <laughs> yeah. like, of course your stats are where they are, but you still are as in love with playing and, and feeling that youthfulness about what you do. Right, because it's yeah. always a test. Can you make it better? Can it continue to get better? You know, and, and being the consumer, you know, always, always have been the consumer of the product that we're building, I think has kept, you know, um, a consistent eye on the progress that we've made, Yeah, you know? Um, so you started at 12 or 13, you're one of those rare entrepreneurs. And then by the time you finished high school, I would imagine that you felt like you were ready to go to work and go into the real world, right? Was college a part of your thought process ever? Yeah. So, I mean, I was already full-time, uh, the second I got out of high school, I ended up going to a year after I finished high school, uh, I went to Nassau Community College, actually a half a year. So I took a half a year off, then I went to Nassau, and then right after that I went to Baruch. And you like college? <laughs> um, it wasn't. It wasn't for me because I, I realized that a lot of what I was learning in college, I couldn't apply to what I was currently doing and what I was getting really good at. Right, and um, one semester before graduating. Um, and I'm not happy about this, by the way, by by any means. I was, uh, you know, I decided that I was going to school for the wrong reasons, more so to make my mom happy. Um, both my parents, actually, my mom and my dad. Uh, and I decided to to give it up and and start working. You know, I was already working full time when I was going to school, but I was I was ready to take the next step in my career uh, when I was working for for David Z at the time. Your parents must have known you were an entrepreneur by the time you were graduating and just did five years in a stock room, no? Yeah, but my, my, my father really never understood the concept of being an entrepreneur because uh, he, an, he was a hardware engineer when I was growing up and, you know, job to job, he must have, you know, changed roles or jobs, I should say, with different, you know, with 10 different companies throughout my lifetime. Um, and he just wanted a steady job, you know, and really smart, really smart guy, the best guy, spent a lot of time with me growing up, you know, taught me how to throw a football, shoot a basketball, you know, taught me math and a lot of my values. And my mom, on the other hand, she was a dreamer. So she was, you know, I grew up and she was, she was selling jewelry. She was a salesperson, you know, making both of them really between jobs and you know, getting laid off and getting other I remember the stresses they used to have and making ends meet. Um, but like my mom really wished for me to pursue my dreams, you know, and my dad was always like, you know, I'm the safer, take the safer bet. And 
just have a steady job and, yeah. you know, do the best you can type of thing, you know? Um, so David Z took you, you know, and that was the place to be if you were learning, you know, one of the places to be. And I'm, I'm amazed knowing that you, you know, like some great restaurateurs went from basically the dishwasher all the way up and you learned every <laughs> part of the job, which is something that is completely um, not present in today's climate of young entrepreneurs and especially in fashion where you just have so many aspiring fashion designers that want to just throw a set of t-shirts and, and sweatshirts together and, and declare themselves that. But you understood that if this was going to be your life's calling, you had to go and grind for it. Um, when you decided now you weren't going to stay in school, you left David Z, right? And you connected with your buddy, Sam, and that was a major move. Yeah, that was in 2010. Oh, so talk so, to me we, before that. But we opened in 2011. I was at David Z for 15 years, and um, at the at, toward the end of my uh, of my time there, um, I was uh, I was a general buyer slash general manager of a chain of 10 stores, and I was working on all of the special makeup product and collaborative product that. Um, that we were selling there um, and helped help David transition from brown shoes and boots, which used to rule the city uh, into more of an athletic footwear uh, business. And in 2010, I really, I saw uh, a need in New York City for, you know, a different type of shop, um, a welcoming shop, uh, an experience, like an experiential space, somewhere where people can come and hang out. Um, and we opened two very small footwear shops, one in Brooklyn and one in Soho, a couple of months apart from each other in 2011. And, uh, and it grew really quickly. Um, people started coming and hanging out and, uh, pretty soon people wanted, you know, the retailer to become a brand. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's how it all started, you know, and then we started making apparel then. Uh, and then from there it really um, evolved and snowballed and required more attention and uh, spaces then started to evolve. So, yep. You know, we had to expand the space and th that would take a, a lot longer of a conversation to walk you through um, all of the incredible things that happened between those days in, in the beginning of 2011 and where we are today. Um, you know, it's a, uh, it's a it's a pretty incredible uh, pretty incredible journey that the team has had here, and you know th that's what I'm most proud of is building the team that we have today. Yeah. You, but you, when you when you had these two shops, these sneaker shops early on um, in Brooklyn and in New York, one of your first collabs with Asics, right, was something that really took off. But yeah. this was really pre-social media, and you right. were able to build these like this demand very early on, leaving David Z and going out on your own and then having lines around the block for drops of yours pre-social media and pre-being Ronnie Feig. You know, I think that's one of those moments that probably you may not realize it, but that's where you started separating yourself because that's one of the hardest things in business, period, right? You can come up with the idea, the design, the concept, but the fact that the line was around the block yeah, and, and th listen, there are a lot of breaks that happen along the way, right? Like when I was at David Z in 2007 and working on my first ASICS project, um, if, if it wasn't featured 
by a writer who is who is interested in you know unique footwear and limited uh, limited sneakers outside of the normal brand. So he was telling the story about you know different brands that weren't getting the shine and exclusive releases and all that. It was a it was a feature on uh, the first Gel Three that I released, and that was on the cover of the pursuit section in the Wall Street Journal. And if that wasn't, if that didn't happen, um, I don't know if the recognition would have been there because that was the first time a story was written in the Wall Street Journal about limited sneakers. And all of a sudden, and we're talking about early on, you know, today it's a whole different ballgame, but that was 15 years ago. Um, and I think, I think recognition started there along with the blogs that were coming up at the time, whether it was Nice Kicks, High Snobiety, Hype Beast. Um, you know, it, that, that, that's, that's around the time that those, those blogs were starting to bubble. Yeah. And, um, and those, those editors, uh, I became friendly with those editors because I was one of those readers of those blogs. I wanted to be up on the next, on the next trend or the next, you know, uh, product because I was a buyer. So mm-hmm. I was always interested in the future of what was, what was happening in the marketplace. And, uh, as I became closer with them, they started taking interest in what I was doing and covering the product. And that was, I think, the beginning of my career in design. Yeah. You know, that's amazing. I have to. So the Wall Street Journal wrote about what you were working on. And, and that would have been very rare at that point to have something in the Wall Street Journal on yeah. these collabs. Yeah, I think um, I think that that and funny story about and I've, I've told this story, I think, a couple of times. But my um, my dad reads the Wall Street Journal. So when he, I was on the way to work and it was the second day that that shoe released, it, it released the day before the, the Wall Street Journal article came out. And I was on the way to work and my mom called me and she was crying on the phone. And um, I got her a pair of them, a, a pair of those shoes before they came out. So she knew what the shoe was and my dad knew as well. And she called me freaking out that the car, it was on the cover of the, of the paper. So uh, she called me to tell me I didn't even know. And then I, I was pulling up, I was on my bike, uh, pulling up to work and I was five minutes out. And then all of a sudden I'm getting closer. I'm still on the phone with her and I see the line wrapping, you know, around, the, around the block. Um, and I was like, wow. And, and, you know, and that, that was like, I've never really seen that, you know, in, in my business before or the business that I was in. So it was, it was shocking. Yeah. You know, and probably a pretty special time to have your parents like recognize it at that point. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. My mom didn't recognize any of this till like, uh, <laughs> I was rumored fakely or yeah. falsely to, um, be a candidate for the next GM job. Then she was oh. like, do you work in the basketball? <laughs> yeah. This should be really an interview about me asking you why you're not, you know, why you chose, uh, Brooklyn? Why, any, yeah. Well, anyway, we don't have to, <laughs> we don't have to speak on that. We, um, we, we get into loud arguments at yes. dinner instead of oh God, uh, doing it on camera. So the two stores, what were those two stores called? Those were called Kith. The first two. And what does Kith mean? Kith is part of the phrase uh, Kith and Kin, which means friends and family. It means friends. Yep. Yeah. And that's something that you can see throughout your shoots, 
your trips, which we'll get to. Your friends have always really inspired you quite a bit, right? I've read that. Yeah, it's basically like I work my whole life, so I'm trying to include, um, like, I'm trying to include my friends in the wins, but also like um, when my friends wear the product that I make, it's the greatest feeling in the world. Seeing you know people you know enjoy product around me that that we work so hard on. Um, that's a great feeling. And also like having to work backwards from not having time to spend with my friends. So incorporating these trips within my business, you know, to, to be able to launch product through an experiential trip and wearing the product in the setting it was designed for. Yeah. You know, that, that was, that really became the concept in 2013 with the first trip to Miami. We built this uh, Miami capsule called ECP. Uh, it was an East coast project, a story between, you know, a Knicks colorway and a Dolphins colorway. So we did our, we, we worked on our first pop-up in, uh, in Miami and brought, you know, a, a group of people out there. And we celebrated, you know, the product in the setting it was designed for. Mm -hmm. And that concept became something that I really wanted to build on. And we ended up traveling, you know, um, almost 10 years later. I spoke about this with Timmy the other day, uh, 13th Witness. He's a photographer that has been... Um, on every trip, you know, and there, there has been, I think, um, I want to say like over 15 of them now and we traveled the world. So we got to see like areas of the world together and experience areas of the world together, different cultures, you know, whether it was Tokyo or Brazil for the world cup, you know, um, Wyoming, uh, Arizona, you know, Paris, just different, all different areas of the world. Um, that's just to name a few that we got to experience together. And those are memories that we'll have together forever. Yeah. You know? And have these trips have always served as inspiration too for the evolution of Kith? Yeah, for sure. Um, for sure. And also those trips have also opened up my eyes to, you know, areas where I wanted to see the brand expand and yeah. open. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, um, I always go and scout the city before I decide, hey, like we're gonna go there and activate um, and really bring, you know, the energy of the brand to a city. Mm -hmm. um, and it's become, it's become like something that we anticipate, you know, being a huge uh, part of the year for us. And it's it stood as like notches in our timeline and memories. I actually like remember the brand. So when I think back at different years, you know, going back 11 years soon, it'll be 11 years. Um, I think back on at the timeline based on those trips, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? So that's the way I kind of They're like the anchors and the anchors in the year, yeah. you know, the notches in the year. So it's, uh, it's, it's definitely been one of those, um, projects that have evolved to become a big part of the DNA of what we're known for. Yeah. So the, one of the most amazing things that I got out of our first like real hang was that you are the antithesis of every other entrepreneur of this time in which you never went and got outside funding. And I think it's very in line with somebody who worked the stock room up is there's this like old school mentality in some ways that you have that's like, I'm going to build it with my money, spend what I make, put back into the business. 
Um, and there was a lot of pride in that when you were telling me and quite frankly, a lot of jealousy on my part because <laughs> I thought it was truly remarkable. And I kept saying to you, wait, every store. Yes. Wait, your offices. Yes. Um, what was that in the beginning? Was it that, that I got, I said like a New York kid, that's like, I'm going to spend what I have. And the idea yeah. of raising money seemed foreign. I took a huge pay cut. You know, I was making a salary and I left to take half. Um, and, you know, I was really worried about whether or not it would be successful in the beginning, like any other business that opens, uh, for the first time. Um, but for a very long time up until very recently, I would pour back all of the money back into the business, you know, and not take anything off the table to build it. Um, and it was, uh, you know, self-funded into it, all of the stores and, and like you said, all of the stores and the office that you see, um, it, it's, it was really a, a sacrifice yeah. that I made for a long time for myself and my family uh, of, of pouring everything back in to, to maximize the potential of it, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, and that, that was, that's the entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial spirit. Um, and New York, I guess it's like a New York hustlers mentality of like, you know, being, you know, being so afraid to lose it yeah, and being so conscious at growing it or, or of wanting to evolve it. Um, it's, it's really a combination of a lot of different things. I guess I learned, you know, growing up in the yeah. business. Do you think there was a part of it where you had no interest in answering to anyone or feeling accountable to anyone? Um, uh, I never thought about that, but I think so. Yeah. 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 I, I definitely think so. I mean, I came from, uh, you know, a very tough school, um, in this business and this business is tough, man. It's a, uh, it's cutthroat. Um, and it's, uh, you know, having to weather a lot of different eras in technology and experiences and brands that come out of nowhere and, you know, um, trends. It's, it's basically, it's like I, the way I, come, I, I like to sometimes when, when I speak on it with, uh, with my friends, I, I, I basically compare it to like how LeBron has weathered so many different, you know, superstars yeah. in his, in his time in the league, mm -hmm. you know, and how he's still consistent and does what he does and you can count on him. It's like, you trust him to do what he does. Yeah. That's, that's kind of like where I wanted to take it with the brand. And we want, I want it to become trustworthy where people can trust the brand for certain things that they buy into, Yeah, you know, uh, completely. And I like that analogy. It's that like different stars and teams and, narratives and all of that has come and gone and he's just shows up yeah and stays and on top that's that's right and you know it's like and it's not it's not to say that we stay on top it's to just to say that we're consistent um and we're trustworthy yeah you know what i'm saying and and it's never about being number one it's never about topping anyone else i am very competitive but i'm not competitive against anyone i'm competitive against what we've done in the past you yes, know, and, totally. try, and trying to continuously be better than what we've done in the yep. past. 
I mean, you're self-motivated. That's 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 right. And yeah. that's that's been the biggest thing is like always challenging myself to one up um, anything we've done and always trying to be better, the best version of ourselves. Yep. Being disruptive, you know, like the DNA of the brand is to be disruptive and being disruptive comes with a lot of, you know, a lot of critics. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because they may not like the way you're presenting or communicating to them. Um, but it will be, we will test the boundaries and do things differently yep. and, and show people things, um, you know, and, and show, pe show people things in a different way or just speak to them differently that, you know, we, we took on as a responsibility very early on, Yeah, you know? Totally. I, you know, it's when a, when a business gets so big and has so many things that they're known for, yeah. people still will always label a yeah. company as one thing. And, right. and it's no different than if you Wikipedia Jay-Z, the first line will be like American born rapper. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I, I find that funny. You yes. know, it's just, you know, let me, let me explain something that I've always, you know, that we speak about a ton internally, but I've never really spoken to anybody externally about it. It's like, we have a huge spectrum to cover. Right. And the reason why the spectrum is so wide is because I've always looked at the business like building blocks. So we started the business uh, in 2010. We opened our first store in 2011. I was um, in a very different place back then, but I wanted to cater to people who wanted the same type of product I wanted. Right. And as time progressed, We've always thought about the guy who started. So like 11 years ago, someone started and, and pick a customer of ours who have been with us since day one, who have been on the journey and have got, they've gotten 11 years older like me, right? And their, maybe their style has been the same like mine, but it has evolved, right? Like, so, so we have to cover that guy because that's me, right? So I'm always designing from my closet, but we always have to keep in mind the kid who's getting into the brand now for the first time um, and what we need to design for that person and then everybody in between, yeah. right? If you've been rocking with the brand for two or three years, five or six years, eight to 10 years, like we need to cater to all of those people who I won't forget about. And that creates a very special and unique product assortment where even that product has evolved tremendously. Yeah. So it's like catering to that same age range, but evolving the product in a way where they're getting the best, you know, hopefully it's the best in class for that age range. Yeah. So it's a wide spectrum that we always need to keep in mind uh, when we go into, you know, product creation or line planning and concepting um, and thinking about who we're going to partner with. And, you know, it's a, it's, it's a really interesting formula that has kept me challenged yeah. throughout my career. Who, who did that well? Like was Ralph Lauren someone that was able to always evolve that? Um, Ralph, I think Ralph, you know, Ralph is similar in a way that he wanted to take people on his personal journey, you know, or even his personal imagination of how he viewed his perfect life, 
whether it was on a ranch or in Montauk or in Europe. Like that was um, the visuals that came with that really helped build a world where you can envision yourself living in, right? Um, and I think that that was done really, really well. And I think the difference, you know, the, there's not a difference. I think that the similarities between Ralph and, for example, Tommy or even Nautica back then, they were able to paint a picture and you envisioned yourself living in that world. Yeah. And, and they were basically, you know, they were set designers for worlds that they built, you know, mm -hmm. and their clothing fit within the set. And I, I think that it's a different type of emotional connection that you have to brands like those who weren't on the internet, but you were seeing those products in magazines, on commercials, on television, um, and then you'd shop them within little concessions or bigger concessions, I should say, in department stores. Um, and it let your imagination roam, Yeah. right? Because he didn't paint, there was no way to paint a full picture and have you immersed the way you're immersed today. So a lot of it had to do with what the consumer made of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Cause if you, if you are out in Montauk, you, you know it from one perspective, but if right. you're in middle America, yeah, you've created this like utopia in which he lives on the beach and the only way to do it is to go to Macy's and pick up a polo rugby. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And also like, he let you imagine what it's like to, to live there. Like if you haven't seen it, then you got to paint your own picture. Yeah. So like your emotional connection to that product is something that you have painted. It's a, a campaign that you created in your head, Yeah, you know, about what that product means to you. So the sense of individuality was so important back then, which created a much stronger emotional bridge to product or anything for that matter for, you know, you speak about sports to teams, to players, like you talk about Michael Jordan and how little we knew about him personally. Yeah. Right. So like everything you saw on the screen, you know, for, for these endorsement deals that he had and these commercials that you saw, you know, um, you painted your own picture about who Michael Jordan was and everybody loved him for so many different reasons. You know, they were able to create their own image of him in, in their heads. Um, and I think that, that that's why the emotional connection to certain things are so much stronger from then. Yeah. I feel like you guys have done that to some degree. And it's different because, like you said, of the internet and you can be more immersed. But even the way you, and I think it's incredible how you plan these trips to places that you want to go and right. bring the closest people to you and then welcome in them into this kith experience. Right. And then I think for someone on the outside, you can imagine yourself being in that space. I right. think when you enter a kid's store or you put on something that you made. Yeah. So, so today's, you know, today's world is much different than then. And I've had to battle with, you know, um, trying to stay true uh, to why I love things, you know, and try to give it to people in a way um, where they feel comfortable consuming information and seeing things. And I've always wanted people to love product for the same reasons I love the product. Yeah. And it's, it's always been tricky translating that in today's world. Um, but we've taken on that challenge. And I think with our team and our creative minds, I think we've been able to, to do some special things. And the experiential part of all of it 
is really important. So you mentioned the trips. I think the stores, the build outs and the investment on that side, um, you know, I don't think that many have invested the way that we have in spaces. Um, and it's done so that people uh, can go and hang out and have a home to really go and, and just kick it, you know, and, um, and that's created a, like an atmosphere for people where they feel really comfortable. Yeah. I mean, nothing. And, and I welcomed. Think, and, and nothing, I think, embodies that more or as much as Kith treats. Right. Um, and it has allowed a generation to continue to grow up even if at the beginning it's to go get ice cream at a kid's store like my eight-year-old would yeah yeah and, and and you know it's funny because like i spoke to andy who's um a very good friend of mine and also uh has helped me since day one with uh with the website uh and anything web i mean the guy is a real genius but like having the conversation with him last night uh, about the brand we just had you know like maybe two to three times a year we have these like deep conversations about where we are and you know a conversation i always had was like lucky charms to bmw right and how people you'll always get this like the negative comments and hate from people who don't understand covering the spectrum so like imagine you're buying a top coat from us, you know, for 500 bucks. Um, something that should probably be priced at 850 or 750, you know, um, where they feel like they're getting more than what they spend and they feel the value in the, in the brand. And then that same person sees, you know, a collaboration with Lucky Charms and a, and a, a cereal box that sells for $10 or $8, right? Um, that person might get confused, you know, um, if they don't follow the brand closely and if they're not immersed in our world of what we do, that person might ask, why do you do that? You know, like, why do you have to cover the other end of the spectrum? And to me, it's what makes us special. It's what makes us so different from everywhere else. It's what makes the brand unique, you know, is the fact that we have um, such a wide range of product assortment and we cater to so many different people. It's anyone who wants to be different. It's not um, based on age or price point. It's based on anyone who wants to be different, you know? And that was what the initial um, concept was from the very beginning. And when we first opened up Kith Treats, it was just something that I wanted people to smile with in the shop, yeah. something that'll make people smile, you know? And I stood there the first day that we opened I just watched in the Brooklyn, the first Brooklyn space, the first Brooklyn treats. I just watched uh, the first hundred people and every single person took the first bite and smiled, you know, and that's how I knew it was the right thing to do, whether it made money or not. And at first I thought about it as a losing business, something that was necessary to keep people happy, you know, when they shop the store yep. or when they shop the brand or when they come to just hang out and read a book. The, it worked, by the way. Yeah, I mean, I, it, it was, I mean, it was an incredible experiment uh, that turned into something really special that a lot of people love. And you may ask certain people, "What's the first thing you think about when you think about Kith?" And they may say treats, they may say ice cream, they may say cereal. It's like that's an important part of the brand, um, 
and it, it, it can be a standalone business one day, yeah. you know, and we're going to open our first standalone treats like ice cream parlor um, soon. Uh, and that will test that whole yep. category of the business. I love how you put that because it is risky to say, I want to continue to cover the entire spectrum. And as that first person grew up with you here, right. and you have to be cognizant of that person 10 years later and how things have changed. The world has changed. Right. Fashion has changed. Um, and then keep that person that grew up with you in the store. And, and I really commend you on that because you are aware that someone could say, hey, why are you doing this collab? You built this monster. But you understand how to grow this into a legacy generational brand. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't have the understanding of. Yeah, I mean, if I was concerned with what people would say, then I wouldn't have done half the things I've done. Yeah. You know, and, and if I was going to let certain you know, narratives and people dictate where we go. Like I wouldn't be doing this, you know, it, to me, it's like, I want to offer, I want to offer a universe to people. That's eventually the goal, right? It's like, I want to build a world where people go and have fun the way they would to Disney world or Disneyland, like obviously a different type of experience, but more so like, this is where I'm going to spend my time today, mm -hmm. you know? And that's never taken for granted that people spend their time with us in the shop, yeah. in the physical form, you know, like that's never taken for granted. So for me, it's always needing to be one step ahead, you know, to make people feel like we're invested in their time. Yep. It's a huge part of what we do. And, uh, you know, it, it's a big focus for us. And we have many conversations about that, you know, putting Sedels in Paris, that was probably the riskiest move of my whole career is like bringing a new concept of food to a city to the city where they have the best pastries and croissants and you know baguettes in the world so imagine bringing another form of that to a city that already has such a strong established you know cuisine um and then bringing bagels there and, and an american yeah. you know american brunch to uh, to that city. Yeah, that's a risky one. And having Parisians eat bagels, you know, <laughs> with, with cream cheese and lox, you know, like that's one of the, I'm having fun experimenting with things that I love and expanding things that I love to areas where people, you know, aren't used to seeing them. And that's the same thing with Japan, you yep. know, with Tokyo and treats and doing that. It's just a, it's a, it's a fun, um, it's a fun journey to be on. Are, are these collabs, are a lot of them, I would assume, BMW, the Knicks, the Yankees, you're living out some real childhood <laughs> fantasies here. Yeah, and it's life, it's like lifetime fantasies. It's like, you're not even childhood anymore. I still wanna do it just as much as I wanted it when I was younger. Yeah. It's like, yeah, my younger self would be really happy and crazy and probably wouldn't believe it, but um, my current state is also really important to yeah. me too. It's like, I'm not only interested in making that younger, my younger self happy, I'm interested in it being fulfilling today for myself and more importantly, for my whole team, yep. you know, for them to feel accomplished with everything we do. Working with the Knicks, like that's, that's the, my, my single greatest feeling in my whole life is working, uh, working on a Knicks jersey and then working on the court and then working on the product and then having our logo like, 
you know, replacing the Knicks logo with the with you know Kith in the same you know in the same font over the basketball like on that vintage on that vintage logo like those are like it the brand is the the company is like my child yeah you know and I'm just like I'm I'm raising my child to be the best version of itself and I'm just like really proud of the my child yeah. sometimes for getting there and having the opportunity to do certain things I get it bro I listen seeing your logo on the floor at the garden i can only imagine right as a fellow uh 40 year old i'm a little older but growing up in new york city i mean man right like if someone could have whispered in your ear in the 90s <laughs> that you would have a collab with the knicks and and to me that's really the things that you probably can enjoy more so than even building this behemoth of a business because it is of those full circle moments that make it all understandable and, and make sense. No, more importantly, those are the the wins and the 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 fun that I need to have to then remind me why um, running this type of business because it's not you know it's it's really it's really difficult and challenging. People may assume that it's all fun and games, but seventy five percent of it is not fun at all. And the 25% that is fun needs to outweigh the 75% of my time yep. that I spend on operations and logistics and finance and all of those things that are not fun at all. Yes, totally. You know? So those wins need to be really big Yes. to make me, you know, to remind me of why I do why it. Why we do this, yeah. Ex exactly. Is there a different hat you wear when you look at what you do for Kith as an inline business than when you build out your collabs? Um, I think they all need to live within one world that we're trying to maintain and evolve and build and continue to build on. Um, so it, it all needs to make sense for where, for where it comes from, you know, and um, as much as we do, which is a lot. Um, there's a lot that we don't do because it doesn't make sense, yeah. you know, to myself and the brand. It needs to come from, I think what makes it relatable is that it comes from one person's perspective and it's, it's tight, you know, it's, um, it's focused and, uh, and we want to build on the things we work on. So, you know, mm -hmm. there, there have been some one-offs, but most, most of the time we're working with partnership on, on partnerships that evolve over the years. Um, a few more things before I let you go. How many stores do you guys have now? Uh, ten. Ten stores. And what's the plan for future expansion? We're going to grow it slowly. You know, I, I do think that we get, we get um, a ton of requests uh, to open spaces in cities. And um, opening abroad is really laborsome and uh, very intense and exhausts a lot of the bandwidth because you know we don't know what we don't know, so we hit challenges along the way, and um, uh, we're going to take it really slowly. And we we don't feel the pressure to have to grow. We're not a public company, um, so you know. And and this was never really meant to scale. So if we're comfortable and we feel like we won't exhaust the system doing it, 
we're going to open up shops in, uh, in different cities around the world. And you said, you mentioned we're not a public company and I understand you've continued to self-fund your business. Um, but is there a North star from a corporate operational standpoint? Do you think about that or is it head down? Head down. You know, I never really, I never really think about that. Um, I'm a product, I'm really a product guy at heart, you know, and uh, I've surrounded myself internally with people that are really great on the business end. Um, but on the day to day, what consumes my time is thinking about the next best product that we can make. Yep. And I, I remember the LeBron fashion show, I think that was 2014. Is that right? Um, 2013, 14? No, 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 no. It was later than that. I think it was uh, 18, maybe? No. All right. Well, whatever yeah. it was, you would know, clearly. Um, but tell me about that, because I think that along with a few other of these, like, kind of, like, very culturally relevant moments, open different eyeballs. Was that, was that something that when you talk about, like, that feeling of I'm proud of this moment and this makes all this other stuff makes sense sometimes? Was that one of those? Yeah, that was definitely a, a huge moment. Working with LeBron on the 15, um, on an on-court and an off-court version of that shoe, and then uh, LeBron wearing um, the black pair in, in uh, the All-Star game and him winning MVP in that shoe. Um, we have one of those photos in, uh, in the 10-year book where he's, you know, he's soaring for a dunk, like wearing the shoe. And it's definitely one of those like moments that I'll look back on my whole life to say, hey, like, I can't believe we got to do this and work together. And I worked with him on a documentary, which I, uh, which I produced, um, which is great. And to talk about LeBron on and off the court, because I really think he's the king. Um, he's as much of a king off the court as he is on. Without question. Um, and that was a great story and it was a really holistic story that we wanted to tell. Um, and I think, I think that shoe and that story will withstand the test of time. Yeah, definitely. And I think those kind of like anchor moments and the history of Kith too, like will only age better and better. Yeah, sure. And, but, be but the thing is like you get, you know, that was, the, that was the time that I got to, like get to know LeBron on a person on a really personal level, what he likes, what he doesn't like, and what makes him tick. And you know, it's uh, not many people will have that opportunity, and and that's something that I will forever cherish. So, before I let you go, I I know how much tennis has now entered into <laughs> your life, um, and I see how much the things that you're passionate about in general, right? We talked about the Knicks and the Yankees. Um, I see some of these like incredibly notable actors that like pull on so much of our nostalgia that you use in your shoots and old rappers from when we grew up. Um, and then in the time I've got to know you just in the two years, like tennis culture has just taken over, right? You built a court in Queens before the U S open. I know Naomi Osaka came out to that. Um, you play, you did your Wilson collaboration. You sent me that fire ass leather tennis bag that everyone compliments me on. Yeah. What is it about tennis? I mean, I feel the same way, but what is it? And, and how does it align with Kith in the future? You know, there are some things that, um, I really love and am passionate about that I do for me, you know what I'm saying? And tennis has become one of those, um, one of those uh, 
activities, I guess you could say, or time-consuming uh, activities that I do um, that really um, that I really enjoy outside of work, you know. And um, I play, you know, I play out east. Um, we've played together out east, uh, um, and the the most um, democratized tennis club in the Hamptons is East Hampton Racquet. Um, and I've been playing there for a couple of years now. And I, um, I worked on transforming that club into something very different this season. Um, and it's, 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 I'm actually going to showcase it next week. Um, and it's just something that I love and I'm passionate about and I'm not doing, it's, it's, it's not so much for anything on the business end as it is to like have people that play tennis really start to look at the sport differently than they used to because that sport is evolving in a way where I feel like it, it's always been the most underrated in terms of fashion. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I think it's time to put that at the forefront. I agree. Yeah. I agree. And uh, Roger Federer, you went to see him. I mean, that couldn't have been like, any cooler, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Roger is uh, is probably like one of my favorite humans on the planet, you know, let alone one of the greatest athletes of all time and my favorite tennis player of all time and, in my opinion, the greatest tennis player of all time. Um, Flawlessly cool. Yeah, it, no, it's just so effortless. Yeah. You know, it's like um it's like a real life bond situation. You know, like when you think about like he's just such a gem of a guy too. It's like and he just is is he's just an incredible guy. So, and and what he is interested in and how he sees this world is very inspiring. Um and getting to know him was incredible. So, yeah. Something I, special coming from you guys? Yeah, very. I cannot wait to see it. Yeah, friend. very, very, very. And, and that story is going to be epic. Uh, so I'm looking forward to, to that coming soon as well. I can't tell you when because I really don't even know, uh, but it's coming soon. So you'll be 40, like we said, June 15th. Yeah. Will you do this for the rest of your life? I think so. I don't know. Uh, you know, I don't know. I used to give you, I, I would have given you the, the answer immediately. The, the knee jerk reaction would have been yes. Um, but to be honest with you, as it gets harder and as, you know, my, my baby girl grows up, uh, she's already 16 months and it's like, you know, I was like, why, why do people like give you the months? Why don't they just say a year and four months? And I became one of those guys because it, you really don't want to see the time pass. No, you don't. So you're counting them in months because you don't want to say she's over a year and a half old, yeah. you know, she's not yet, but you don't want to, you don't want to, um, you want them to just remain babies. Yep. My daughter's turning 156 months <laughs> there in, you go. Uh, in July. <laughs> <laughs> there, there you go, and 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 you know what I'm you know what I mean by that. So I I, I'm as she grows up and um, I start to decide, you know how I'm how I best spend my time. Um, you know it, it'll be interesting, you know. And um, is this generational? Does this go to her? Like I I don't have those answers, you know. Like yeah. I don't I don't want to also like. If there was if there if there was any business I can make sure she avoids, you know, the retail would probably be one of them. 
So she won't be a stock girl. At, uh, <laughs> at, she would at, have at to, she, she would have to start in the stock. Yeah. You know, that's, she would have to start because that's, that's really the, the, you know, that's really, um, the advice that I give anyone who asks how to get started in the business. I always say to start at the bottom and learn your way up. Mm -hmm. Uh, so that's where she would have to start if she wanted to get involved. Well, she's got a, a real one to, uh, to look to. I appreciate your time. I, it's really an honor to be in these offices, to be able to talk to you here. Really excited to see what you guys are going to build in the future and um, really impressive what you've built till now. Thank you, bro. I, I appreciate it. Thanks, man. All right, my brother. That's Boardroom Out of Office, boardroom.tv. Log on, download this pod and the video. And thanks so much for tuning in. Talk soon. I reminisce, I reminisce. Just listen to the songs as I rock on.